Welcome to the Good Geekery Podcast. This is our first podcast with a guest. Uh, my name is Tom. And I'm Zach. And uh, today we're going to be talking to an artist slash animator uh, by the name of Paul. Uh, some of you may know him as Ota King, and you'll know him from a recently viral video uh, called TIE Fighter Short Film. And, uh, Hello, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, I'm Paul Johnson. And um, yeah, hearing hearing the name said, I should probably have come up with a more catchy name than TIE Fighter short film, really. <laughs> well, you kind of duped me when you did it, because I asked you what it was called, and you said Interdictor. That's why I actually called the piece of music TIE Fighter Interdictor. Oh, no, that's a cool title. Although, yeah, so when you released it as short film, I was like, oh, right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I should have called it TIE Fighter. Interdictor. Well, I mean, it's too late now. We'll call it Tie Fighter Interdictor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's just let's give it a cool title for this podcast. Yeah, but um, yeah, it was kind of crazy because um, obviously it just exploded. I mean, for those of you that don't know, there was a leaked version a couple. Of, how was it? Like a few years ago? It was a um a couple of years ago. Yeah, there was a leaked version which was incomplete, and that reached. It was over two million views, I think. Yeah, that was a weird feeling. That was definitely a weird feeling because I um story behind that is that I shared that with a bunch of people on the um the Mecca forum on 4chan, mm-hmm. which is really small. Uh, there's not many people there, so you can you can share projects you're working with, you're working on, and share it with people and get feedback and stuff. And it was only really meant to be seen by the few people on there. But somehow the link the link got out, and um, yeah, suddenly it had like two million views, and I was like, "What's going on? This is totally unfinished. People are seeing this crappy unfinished stuff. What the hell?" Well, and, still uh, impressed by that. Yeah, yeah and I like it absolutely. But, I was but, one of those two million views back when it when it leaked, and I, I had the privilege. Uh, brief shout out uh, quickly to Zach. He, uh, for those that don't know, Zach is actually the composer of the music and the musician playing the music in the finished version of the film. And uh, I, I had the pleasure of, of hearing the original piece while seeing the original animation at the same time. I remember playing the two side by side so that I could get the effect, and it was, right, it was super right. cool then. I mean, I'm personally happy that within a very short time span, it kind of exploded and reached more than the two million hits that was there before. I think one of, one of our fears was we were kind of worried that as people would have seen the two-minute leak, they wouldn't be interested by this, so it would kind of fizzle and die. Oh, okay. it didn't do that at all, <laughs> did it? it uh, <laughs> uh, and and I, I remember actually with this finished product, Paul, uh, I remember reading one of your comments saying, oh, well, it's a, it's a, it's, it was around the two million mark, and, and you said... Uh, it looks like we're going to fizzle out around 2.2 million views. Yeah. Uh, and and today, for for those who are aware, we're it's over 3.4 million views. So, what's your reaction to thinking it's going to end at 2.2, and then 1.2 million views later, it's like, oh, well, we're still going strong. Well, I I think we're going to fizzle out at 3.4 million views. <laughs> <laughs> You're only a few thousand from 3.5, so I'll I'll throw that out there. <laughs> If it reaches 4 million views, I will... Um, Be careful now. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to have to live <laughs> like this on it. Uh, I will draw a picture of the main characters um, eating a cake. 
and uh, presumably after the wrestling, yeah. everyone can see it. And yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, you, that, you that heard it here. Difficult. You, you heard it here first. Absolutely. What a sacrifice. And, what a sacrifice! So we've got to try and get this to over four million views, then, so we can see. Yeah, that, that's that's the plan now. Of the yeah, eating a cake because I personally definitely want to see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, 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 don't I said it. it. I I want to draw it now as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, four million views, we get a picture of the of the main characters eating a cake. I think there's no there's no better reason to watch a video. <laughs> Fantastic. Um. So saying on the on the YouTube. Uh, track for a second is I, I don't know if you're aware there's so many people posting reaction videos to yeah the, I, and it's I don't know it, it's how exactly I felt when I was watching it because the entire time they're either not in their head and beat and like jam into the music or they have these big cheesy childlike grins plastered on their faces and they're just fixated they're not commentating they're not saying oh this is cool they're just staring like a little bit of drool coming down their chin they're just they are in love with this so how does that make you feel being able to give you know so that level of enjoyment to people um i i remember because i'm i'm pretty narcissistic so i've watched them all <laughs> <laughs> I remember when the first reaction video came out from, um, what is it, like um, Tyrone Magnus or someone? Yeah, and, I saw. Uh, yeah, Tyrone Magnus. And yeah, so I, I called Zach in. I was like, Zach, come look at this. Someone's done a reaction video. And um, we watched it and we were just laughing our asses off at how much fun this guy was having. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what, what struck me is something that you touched on, Tom, which is the fact that he's always talking. He's kind of the entertainment as he reacts to something else. People tune into his channel to watch him react and say stuff. But for this video, for a lot of it, he was just quiet and smiling. And that was yep. really satisfying to see. It's like, he's glued. He's glued. He loves it. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I've never really understood reaction videos before. I was like, why, why would someone watch someone react <laughs> when they could just watch it themselves? But um, now I'm completely hypocritical. Because I'm, well, I, I'm I watching think, people react I, yeah. to this video that I did, and I'm, I'm like, wow, they, they really like it. And, and it's not like, I don't feel like, I'm not patting myself on the back saying, you know, oh, good job, Johnson, you made such an awesome thing, people really like it. I'm just enjoying the fact that they're enjoying it. Because yeah, yeah, I can't sense. enjoy it. I, I spent so long making it that it's just a series of images to me. Like, I can't really enjoy it. So I can enjoy it through other people's eyes if that doesn't sound massively pretentious. It does sound massively pretentious, doesn't it? Well, no, no, no. I don't think so. <laughs> I can enjoy it viscerally through other people. There you go. Well, I mean, I, I think that's the point of reaction videos, is that in a way they're making it for these audience of people, but they're also making it for you, the guy mm -hmm. that made it. And so you get to you get to not just be told how people liked it, but you get to watch them experience it for the first time over and over and over, as may be the case. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really appreciate it though. I've, I've I've watched all the ones that are out, and um, it's just really nice. I mean, I don't. I, really enjoy it. I mean, I don't think it's like self-obsessed and narcissistic because I mean, why else do you create something like that? I mean. You could have many reasons to do it, but one of the reasons is to share it. Yeah, yeah. Because to be honest, yeah. I think it would be kind of a crime if you created this and just kept it on your on your hard drive to yourself. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like I would be the first in line to arrest you for that. Like, nah, -uh. <laughs> this is too good not to share. Absolutely. Indeed. 
Well, you uh, you mentioned that you don't get as much enjoyment out of watching it anymore because you've stared at it for so long, and so yeah. all of, you know when it first went viral, everyone was like, "Oh, it took him over four years, four years, four years." The magic number seems to be four years. So I guess did it really take you four years, or like what was that process like over such long? Like how did you do it and stay with it for that long of a period of time? Because I can't imagine staying with one project that long. I think it was it was four years, but it wasn't. You know, people see the the number four years and they think, "Wow, this guy must have been working on it for four years, like all day." But it it wasn't. It was four years of um of some time at weekends and stuff. Because I, I actually have a day job in animation for an Australian studio called Planet Fifty Five, and that actually ties into the motivation in that it really didn't feel like work at all because I finish my um. I finished my work for my for my actual job, and then I'd come back and animate some Star Wars to unwind. So I actually enjoy my day job a lot. I mean, it, it's really it's a really good job, but uh, to come back and just do something completely on your own is is a lot of fun as well. Yeah. But I I just didn't get bored of it because I, yeah, like I said, I finished my work for the day. I come back and just do some Star Wars animation to unwind. So, so it's almost like a, a hobby or something. Then, like someone would, yeah, go back yeah, and yeah, exactly. Paint, like paint their miniatures or something like that after work or that kind of yeah. thing. My my wife would call it a, a passion project. Is that is that how you would? You yeah, would yeah, basically, basically it is. Yeah, and um, what I'd say to to people who are, um, and it doesn't have to be animation. It could be music or um, just live action filmmaking. Anything really is that if you're gonna if you're going into a project um, that you're doing on your own. And you're you're going to probably be spending years doing it. Then make sure it's something that you're really interested in to the point where you're not going to get bored of it four years down the line. Yeah, because <laughs> a lot of projects stall that way. I think. Yeah, and I think there's so many good ideas out there. They never get a chance to come to fruition because they remain literally half baked, and people don't follow through with them because yeah they as you say they either lose interest or motivation or even belief in their own project i think so Mm -hmm. i think this is a this is a really good example of what can happen if you manage to keep keep the fire burning it's a labor of love i was kind of lucky though in that um lucky and unlucky in that i was doing it on my own and um you look at um you look at indie games and things like that and uh, and bands, for instance, and whenever you get more than one person, um, suddenly things get much much more tricky. Like people will drop out. People will suddenly find that they they have something else that they need to do, or they 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 have a kid and they've got to take care of the kid, or whatever. You know, various various really valid reasons. But it was just me, so the only person who I had to worry about dropping out was myself. Yeah. So I could just get on with it. I could just get on with that without worrying about managing other people or anything it's kind of swings and roundabouts really isn't it because you like if you did have more people there is no doubt that this could have been completed a lot faster a lot faster yes but the the downside of that is of course when because you know you're not getting paid for this none of us are getting paid for this so you're doing it just off your own bat and um it's kind of difficult to keep people motivated in something when they're not getting paid for it, I guess. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, and, you know, working on your own gives you, you know, for something like a passion project, gives you that ability to avoid the natural conflicts, I think, that come up when you're doing a creative project with other people. You know, if two people have 
different ideas, even if they only differ slightly, you know, there's sort of that natural conflict. And in a lot of ways, that conflict will make it better. But in other ways, you know, if you want to keep something completely your own, that'll, it makes it a lot harder. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, I think you can get that conflict, uh, even when two people are very passionate about it as well. Because say they both care about the project equally, but they just think in differing ways. That'll just lead to a series of arguments as well, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And I guess you see that a lot in um, major Hollywood films where um, it sounds like it's going to be amazing, a film, at the start when you're following it from its inception, and the final result is just terrible. And uh, then you look into... You look into the reasons why. I mean, how could this thing be, be so bad? It, it showed all the signs of being amazing when it was on the drawing board, and it's just like just designed by committee. Everyone had different ideas. Then it went to the advertising people; they had different ideas. Then someone said, "Hang on, you've done all the effects in practical effects." Like, um, what was it that uh, uh, the prequel they made to the thing? Oh yes, John Carpenter's the thing mm-hmm. where they yep. they spent all that money and time doing the pra- practical special effects, and then someone at the studio goes, "Oh no, actually, we want you to dump all that, and we're going to do it out of 3D now. We're going to do 3D effects, and it's just like crazy when when so many people get involved, it can really be a case of too many cooks spoiling the broth, I guess, or just tipping <laughs> the broth over and and scalding everyone with scalding hot broth." <laughs> Yeah, and nobody wants that. Nobody, no, nobody. wants that. Nobody wants that. Almost <laughs> scalding hot broth in the face. Yeah. <laughs> so, do you think you would be motivated to do a project of that scale by yourself again? Um. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm working on something now. I'm working on my next thing now. And you know, it, it's not. It's not just me. I mean, for this, there was you doing the music. Oh yeah. Towards the end. True. So it's not just me on my own. I'm working on a Mecca project at the minute, which is um, kind of like realistic. What what information have I written down here? Um, it's kind of like a realistic tank-based, tank-based one-off 45-minute movie, you know, very much in the vein of, um, of the old OVAs, the original video animations that we used to get in anime that have kind of died out now. Yeah, and, um, right. So basically kind of um, realistic, or at least as more as realistic as you can get with, with giant robots, really. Okay. <laughs> because uh, people always say, like, why would you have giant robots when tanks, when tanks do the same thing? And yeah, I love mechs as much as the next person, but it's kind of a valid point. <laughs> right. but, um, but I love mechs, so uh, it's basically going to be something like Generation Kill with mechs, I guess, really. And that sounds awesome. Well, thank you. It probably won't be. <laughs> with Star Wars, <laughs> well, I mean, if your just... if your if your previous videos are anything to go by, I'm, <laughs> I I think people might well, enjoy them a little bit. This is kind of more ambitious, though, because um, with Star Wars, it was just, hey, I want to do some some cool battle sequences, and um, I'll just keep animating battle sequences. Originally, it was going to be a 20-second opening sequence, and then I just kind of kept expanding it and expanding it, and in the end, it ended up as seven minutes of just things blowing up, whereas this has to have a story. and it has to... my friend. Well, yeah, I'm glad you like it. Yeah, and, um, absolutely. But, you know, this one's going to actually have to have a really tight script, which, fortunately, my friend Ben, who, who Zach also knows from our 
uh, our time at, at uni studying he, he Japanese. He was actually like legitimately our senpai. I know that thing was hijacked <laughs> by the internet of, of late. Like Did senpai ago, notice you? Ten years ago, he was actually our senpai and helped us learn Japanese. <laughs> uh, he's also a very, very good writer. So, um, so I've handed over script duties to him. So he'll come up with the snappy dialogue. I'll do all the animation. Get Zach to do the music. Um, the guy who did the sound effects for the Tie Fighter animation, um, he's expressed interest in doing the sound effects for this mech thing. Uh, so you know that's good. I've already got a, a pretty a pretty good sounding team together. It's just we'll need yeah. we'll need voice actors. We'll need good voice actors because yes. anime voice acting, especially, has a bit of a <laughs> reputation <laughs> for being terrible. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, the same voice yeah. actors. By the way, uh, for anyone that's interested, the uh, audio technician was Joseph Laver. Yes. Yeah, and, Joey yeah. did a good job. And I feel kind of bad that um, the sound mixing was, was done by me, which is probably the person who knows least about sound mixing. <laughs> and so I just drowned out his sound effects with Zach's music. Oh, no. I mean, and it's all my fault. It's all totally my fault. Blame it on me. Blame it on me. I mean, it was, it was kind of... It was interesting because uh, when Paul first asked me to work on this, uh, I think at the time we both thought it, we both intended it to kind of just be a music video, basically. Yeah, yeah. It was right. it was always supposed to be like just the music and the animation, because uh, at the time I was working in Germany, and when I came back to England to visit like friends and family, I'd pop over. I would share some of the stuff I was working on with Paul, and that was kind of. We were watching the animation and we were listening to a track that I was working on, and we both just agreed that no, this is it. This really works, and this is the surface, of... wasn't it? It was called the surface at the time, yes. And at the time, it was the surface. I mean, it had a very, it had a very different introduction. So, but I think as the music was uh, certainly the most topical issue with the whole film, because a lot of people they see Star Wars and they're expecting John Williams. Yeah. Yeah, or at least very John Williams sounding orchestral yeah, music, big sweeping epic. But um, I don't know. I, I gathered that you want something different, Paul. So, what what are your thoughts about that? Um, I mean, I always knew it was going to be it was going to be a polarizing thing. Um, that people would want John Williams music, but I mean, a you can't just steal John Williams's music and slap it on there. <laughs> <laughs> I could get around that by getting by getting some. I mean, there's there's all manner of of people on YouTube who do really really good orchestral style music. So I could get someone to do something in that vein. But at the same time, um, I really really love metal. So, <laughs> uh, and people keep. I think people are giving me too much credit. Like in the comments, in the comments on the video, a lot of people are saying, "Wow, you know, they, this this clearly this music." was clearly done because it's an 80s anime-style video and they wanted 80s anime-style music to go to go with it. And I wish it were true, but actually I just really like metal. So I was like, Zach, Zach, get the guitar out and just do a guitar solo for seven minutes. He was like, yeah, all right. And uh, that's, that's how the music came about. Indeed. I mean, for the record, uh, it's interesting because a lot of people, they did notice that it kind of, went like the style of the music kind of went with the genre that the whole animation is delivered in but also a few of the really uh, observant people noticed that i have referenced a lot of uh, the imperial march in the music and it comes back throughout all yeah. of it 
it just so happened that I gelled that with the style of the music that me and Paul decided that we wanted. So that's why the music. But it's time. Yeah. It's time to the music as well. The animation is. Um, like yeah, I mean, if you if you watch it. Oh, thank you. I'm glad you noticed. Amazing. Yeah, it it was amazingly well orchestrated between the music, the sound effects, and and the animation. I think that it really made it the experience that it is. I mean, in the end, I think it was a very good option to have the sound effects because when you see a TIE fighter panning across the camera, you want to hear that TIE fighter roar. You really want to. Yes. And need to hear that. Yes. Yeah, you really have to. And like the you know the TIE fighter blast sounds and. Uh, like the the missile warning sounds and everything like that. They... Oh, don't, don't remind me of that. <laughs> so the uh, I, I've read I've read a lot of comments on the video because apparent obviously you know you have so many comments. Um, there there's a hefty chunk where it sounds like there are, are aspiring artists and animators commenting to say you know hey great job, and then they they always ask the similar question how how did you do this? Or is there a way that I can learn how to do this? And it seems to be this big mystery for people. And, and I mean, just someone like myself, I have the artistic ability of a whale. Uh, <laughs> as in, I can't draw well, no, whale, anything. Whale, whale culture is very complex and deep, Tom. Don't underestimate yourself. Very, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, Don't look down on whale culture. Whale. <laughs> Uh, I, I can draw about as well as uh, a fish with a flipper. Mm-hmm. And so to me, it's a bit of a mystery as well. So how did you do it? You know, how, I, obviously, I know you drew some pictures, but but what made it the animation itself? Well, I I went to the bathroom and got some toilet paper and some crayons. <laughs> and basically just... <laughs> I drew a TIE fighter on a piece of toilet paper, and the next piece of toilet paper, I drew the TIE fighter a little bit closer, and then the next one a little bit closer, and about 50,000 rolls of toilet paper later, we had the finished film. It was beautiful looking. <laughs> and that's how I did it. But not how I actually did it. <laughs> how I actually did it was... Um, I was going to say, that explains why we like, run out of toilet paper all the time, but yeah, we'll just let that it one does, It does. I wasn't... <laughs> I wasn't going to mention it because I thought I thought you and our other housemate would probably want to charge me more for the toilet roll, so I yeah, I didn't mention that. Well, maybe that. we can change the, the title to from Tie Fighter Interdictor to Tie Fighter Embezzled Toilet Roll. Embezzled <laughs> Toilet Roll, exactly, yeah. which was a go. big problem during the Imperial it era does, of Star Wars. The, the toilet crisis uh, of Naboo, I believe. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Naboo. So, 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 Naboo so, so ran out of toilet. Cost. The entry cost of toilet paper animation should be pretty low, right, compared to your standard studio animations. You would think so, yeah, yeah. Your overheads would right. be quite low. But, so. right. <laughs> but how I actually did it, how I actually did it is, is almost as crude, actually, as the toilet, the toilet roll method. In the, I mean, obviously it was done on a computer. I, I'm not crazy. I wasn't going to buy a bunch of acetate and paint every cell. Wow. <laughs> I'm not that crazy. I wish. Crazy. So it was done on computer, but um, most people doing animation on computer nowadays, they either use Flash or um, a lot of them use a program called Toon Boom, which, which we use at work, which is basically, it does everything. Right. Whereas I'm basically this caveman who can't learn new things. So um, <laughs> I, ha- I have to use all manner of different programs to get the same result. 
So I used a combination of Photoshop and um, this animation program called TV Paint that I really like. And um, I composited everything together at the last stage in Sony Vegas. And um, so basically I'm using a bunch of different programs rather than one program. And uh, I'm drawing all the people by hand, all the backgrounds, all the people. They were all drawn by hand in Photoshop. And all the spaceships were done in 3D, actually, in Cinema 4D. Right, because I've got to ask about that, because I don't like the mixing of the classic animated format with CGI. It's just my personal opinion. So, for example, for things like the, the latest Ghost in the Shell series, I found it very displeasing how you'd see a cell animated person and next to them would just be a CG sprite from, like, a computer game together. Now, yeah. you've yeah. mentioned, Paul, that you CG, but you, in the TIE Fighters don't look like they're just copy and pasted computer game sprites. Why do they look animated? Well, basically, like, um, it, from what I understand, in anime, um, they used to hand-animate all their spaceships, so you get Legend of the Galactic Heroes, and... Um, Famously, the opening the opening sequence of um, the nineteen eighty six is it Transformers the movie? Oh yes. Where you you've got Unicron comes up to the camera right in the opening shot and pans past the camera and you can see all the details and everything yeah. and it's just insane. It's this insane looking sequence and it was all just done by hand. Wow. And um, same same with Macross with the original Macross from is it eighty three eighty four I don't know and. To get it all looking right, they would use like cigarette packets and cardboard boxes and stuff, and they would film them and then basically kind of draw over them to get for those shots where the Valkyries are fighting through the cities and stuff. Right. City shots. And um, so, yeah, they used to do it all by hand, um, whereas um, now they just go, yeah, we'll throw it into a, a 3D program and no one will notice or care. And <laughs> most people don't notice or care. But uh, I wanted to do it. I wanted them to look hand-drawn. So what I did was um, get 3D models or get my friend Master Chris to um, to make me some 3D models and um, make them pretty simple because the more detail there is on them, uh, it, I don't know, I, can, I guess it kind of gets a bit technical at this point. But um, when you're drawing say, a spaceship coming towards the camera in Legend of the Galactic Heroes, when it's when it's far away from the camera, it's just an outline of a spaceship and it doesn't have much detail on it. And um, same with that Unicron shot in Transformers the movie. And the closer it gets to the camera, the more detail starts to come in. And when it's flying, you know, metres away from the camera, you can see every every little detail on all of the antennas and stuff sticking out of the ship. And then it goes past the camera and starts to move away into the distance and all the details, the fine details, start to disappear again. Yeah. But that, to me, simulates how the human eye would work and recognise things anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That, that's a, a, a technique that they figured out and, and just used. And it, it looks perfect. It looks absolutely perfect. Whereas you use a 3D model and it's got all those details on it. And as it comes towards the camera, the details stay and they stay there the whole time. And as it moves right. away from the camera, the details are still there, and it becomes like really, really complicated to look at. And um, so, what I had to do was um, was chop all the details out of the three D models and draw those in by hand. So, a lot of the three D models have been really, really simplified. And then I would literally draw the lines in, 
draw all the little windows in by hand as it's coming towards the camera and um, and you know start phasing them out as it moves away from the camera so that things don't overload the eye too much. That's really, really fascinating. Because yeah, I, I always never thought, thought of it, that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, because I always thought it just looked better because there was cohesion. Because yeah. no matter, we're not quite at the stage where CG is perfectly that it looks like real things. Not quite yet. I think we're going to get there pretty soon. But everything up until now, if something's CG, you can just tell. You can it's tell. CG. Yeah. yeah. Unless oh. it's used incredibly subtly. Like for example, there's a huge amount of CG in uh, in Fincher's Fight Club. But because, in my opinion, they use, they use it really subtly, you don't actually notice. But I always thought that it was you always noticed it because it stuck out. But what you said about details actually really it makes a lot of sense because I'm I'm pretty sure that the human eye works in a similar way. Like if something's far away, you might just notice the shape of it, and your brain recognizes it from basic things. Yeah, and you only get to focus on the detail once it gets to a certain once it gets to a certain distance. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, uh, but, but the other reason that it looks hand-drawn is because, um, yeah, the ships were 3D, but I rendered them out just as black and white lines. And um, I, there's a video on my channel actually showing showing how I... Is there a video on my channel showing how I do it? I can't remember, but basically I, I'd render the TIE Fighters out, for instance, as black and white, black and white lines coming towards the camera. Then I'd take them into my animation software and I would shade and colour and detail every single frame of that by hand. So um, the 3D model makes sure that the perspective is right, because Star Wars has pretty complicated ships, and uh, often they're not even symmetrical. Stuff like the Millennium Falcon has bits on the left that aren't on the yeah, right. Yeah, Crazy. Yeah. So you can't even get away with, you know, mirroring stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the 3D, the 3D models will make sure that the ships have the correct proportions, and that they don't go off model, and that they they stay at the right perspective all the time and that just basically left me completely free to devote all my time to shading and colouring each frame so I mean it's still a lot of work, it's still thousands of frames that need to be shaded and coloured and detailed by hand Um, but the workload has already been cut down a lot by the fact that the the 3D programme has rendered them out for me. Alright so I might be mistaken here but what you're essentially doing there is rotoscoping. Yeah, yeah Cool. And um, and it it's, looks hand drawn I mean, because <laughs> it looks hand drawn because the shading is done by hand, and so it's got all the imperfections of hand shape. Yeah. So you can see some of the lines wobbling and stuff, and um, and so it, yeah, it just looks. It doesn't look. Um, what's the word? When something looks completely perfect it really sticks out and you can tell that it's 3d a lot of the time yeah i think that's the issue i have with cg in films it's got that it's got that shininess to it which yes. really it sticks out like a ball awesome, it really does. Mm. Yeah. it really does yeah but um yeah i've got a question about you mentioned acetate yeah now i'm actually a huge fan of anime myself except i like everything that's hand-drawn for me, it has to be hand-drawn for, for it to really kind of touch me because I see it as moving art. Yeah, and, absolutely. You know, I, I have gifted and I have collected certain frames of certain anime that I really, really like. I was just wondering, like, traditionally you have the, the main artist who does the keyframes and then you have uh, staff, a crew, who kind of, they're in between us, they do the frames in between. Mm. Would you ever want to, or if you had the chance to, would you ever work, like, would you like to work with real paints and stuff like that on acetate? Um, from like a really pretentious point of view, then 
then maybe I would. I used to um, when I first got into drawing anime style. You know, when I was a when I was a budding filthy weeaboo. Um, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> <laughs> then um, obviously, obviously, like like a lot of people do, I went down to the art shop, bought a bunch of acetate and acrylic paint, and um, I did I did paint on cells. Not not animation. I couldn't animate at the time, but I would paint. Um, I would paint, you know, like posters on cells. And yeah, it right. do, it does feel really nice. It does feel really nice. But I just don't think I'd ever get any. I don't think I'd get any animation done because it's so. <laughs> it takes so long, and you make one mistake, and that's it. And whereas so you just press the undo button on the computer. Yeah, the yeah. that's a pretty big yeah. advantage, huh? I've I've got that undo button mapped to my um I've got it mapped to my graphics pen. That's how much I use it. Like I make so many mistakes all the time. So, so uh, you know, that's something. The rest of us. Yeah, that is very reassuring, and that's something I think a lot of people don't realize is that they they see your finished product, and it's amazing, and it's you know for all intents and purposes, people think of it as perfect, and they don't get to see that that process. It's kind of an iterative process and the people that i think are most familiar with it are the people trying to do it now the people learning how to do it themselves and so you've made this amazing thing you have 3.4 million views and it's going up every day what's one a one sentence piece of advice that you would give to those kids in your comments who are asking hey what should i learn to be able to do this like what what is that one piece of advice you would give them Oh, no pressure then. No pressure. <laughs> um, but it better be good. It better be inspiring, otherwise. Yep. You're fail. <laughs> um, one sentence. I don't know. I would. You can have two right, sentences. I, well, what what I would say then is don't don't do what I did, which is animate this thing without studying the basics of animation. Um, I'd say get the animator survival kit. You know the book, and and read that, and study. You don't need to necessarily go to university for animation. I mean, I didn't, and I, I've made something that's fairly passable. People seem to think it's professional quality. I mean, I don't think it is, but a lot of people. Well, but you work professionally for, for a studio where you are doing similar work. Anyways. I, I, I do, I do. Yeah, I'm not actually allowed to say what I do uh, due to NDA, and the, the project isn't really course, announced, and it's not out and stuff yet. But um, indeed. But let's just say that a lot of the animators in the studio uh, blow me out of the water because <laughs> they're they're <laughs> properly trained. So rather than do it do it the ass backwards way that I did, because um, I'm only just starting to learn the basics and stuff now, I would say learn the basics first, really, if you can, and uh, yeah. um, and then learning the then basics kind of. It gives you a solid base, doesn't it? It does. A solid yeah. base to, foundation to start on. Yep. Today, just before this, um, just before you called, actually, I I was working on the first walk cycle of a character walking that I've ever done uh, off wow. the top of my head. Because all I mean, a lot of people mentioned this in comments on the video, and that the the movement of the characters looks really weird and floaty, and that's because I basically just rotoscoped it. I traced it over footage of real people walking. I mean, I, I wow. didn't just 
embrace it, I, I changed it up. These people weren't wearing Stormtrooper armor, you know. It was just <laughs> footage of people <laughs> running through the streets or, like, on Air Force bases, scrambling to get into planes and stuff. So I still had to add all of the all of the TIE fighter pilot helmets and gear and stuff on top of them. But the hard stuff, you know, the, the placement of the legs moving and the arms moving, I, I just traced it. And um, I feel quite cheap for doing it, and I would like to be able to do that on my own. And so just before this call, I've, I've done kind of my first proper walk cycle at age 37, which is... <laughs> So age 37, poor. Well, I mean, it's never too late to learn more, right? And I think yeah, that's, yeah. that's a good takeaway from that, is that you're willing yeah, to put yeah, in yeah. that work and, and learn it now. And I, I think that's a great a great piece of advice to give to these kids who are like, where do I start? And you start with the basics, and, and I think I think that's perfect. I think it's actually another thing we could take from this is the fact that uh, a lot of people might look up to Paul as someone who has achieved and reached the stage where yep. they want to be. And Paul has just turned around and said, like, before this people call, can't walk. I, I'm studying and I'm <laughs> yeah, yeah, studying yeah. and learning. And his people <laughs> yeah, can't walk. So, so I think, so maybe another thing we can get from that is just... No, indeed. I, I've never been to, um, I've never been to an animation school. I went to art college, and um, I, I'm very sorry to all of my teachers there. <laughs> because... <laughs> I really did. I wasn't exactly the best student. Um, I'm not exactly classically trained. I pretty much taught myself. And um, now that it's reached a point where... Because you can't teach yourself to do a walk cycle, a realistic-looking walk cycle, whereas there are these people who've written all these books and illustrated these books who will tell you and lay down some really good ground rules for how to do a walk cycle... You can do a really good walk with them with just five keyframes, which is, that's what I learned this week from reading the animator's survival kit. And um, they, they look better. They look way better than any walks that I've done before. And, you know, people are impressed because I've done all these ships blowing each other up and these, like, sweeping camera movements and all this kind of stuff. But, um, I don't know, I think a, a realistic-looking walk looks better than, than that. <laughs> looks better than well, a ship exploding into 20,000 buzz. Well, at least it's harder to do. Yeah, this it, is true. Let's put it that way. Yeah. That's it is hard great. to do, but... I mean, because the TIE Fighter, for example, its thrusters are going to say, you know, go forward, it might have veneers or afterburners which can make it rotate and give it mobility, etc. But human beings move in yeah, such a yeah. different manner. So, for example, you've got a walk cycle, fair enough, that's your standard walk. Now, how many people do you know that walk in a standard way? If you pay close attention to how people walk, everyone walks yeah. slightly differently. And I think that's that's why it makes a lot of sense to me that it's harder to draw something simple like someone walking than it is to draw like a huge yeah. Yeah. space battle. Just because I think it's, it, it is a lot more complex. No, indeed. Yeah. And, uh, and for that reason, I, I don't think rotoscoping something no. like that is actually cheating. I mean... I. I think we've had a conversation about this before, and I'll say it, all the great artists, for all their amazing pieces of artwork, they always work from... It was always lifestyles yeah, they did yeah. it on. Like Napoleon on the horse, that was... A, he was painting from a guy on a horse. He he was basically tracing it. He just had the, the money and influence to have someone... Indeed, yeah. 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 <laughs> or for however long it took, so... I, I personally don't... No, think I, I, I see what you're saying. I, I, I appreciate you both saying that but at the same time uh, i 
I would like to be able to do that on my own without, you know, like like the animators that I look up to, like people like Peter Chung who did Aeon Flux. Um, you know, he's not rotoscoping. He's he's just like he comes into the MTV offices or whatever and goes right. So this girl comes in here. She does a triple backflip over here. Walks down these stairs incredibly realistically and then pulls out a gun and guns down twenty guys. And um, <laughs> he just animates it off the top of his head. And like I want that. I want that skill. I want that skill. So so I will. So keep, you have some learning ahead of you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah I definitely. Definitely got got a goal ahead, yeah. Whether or not I'll reach it, who knows? That's fantastic. So we've talked about this briefly, and part of what good geekery is about is making a positive difference in the world by leveraging the geek community, whether it's an individual or specific groups within the overall community. And part of the way that we want to do that is to spotlight charities and causes throughout the world and make them kind of our featured charity or cause uh, for a a small period of time. So when this podcast releases, uh, we are going to have some featured charities and causes, and each of our guests, uh, that would be you, Paul, gets to say, what what charity or cause do you want us to feature for a period of two weeks and drive donations and support from the geek community that way? Right. Well, I mean, um, yeah, I was having a think about this. And um, obviously the big one, I think, is cancer at the moment. Um, it, it just needs it needs killing. <laughs> it, needs comp- it deserves no mercy. It needs killing. Like, yeah. whenever... And, yeah, uh, and I'm That's sure everyone's had this experience. Yeah. You get a bit of news... It's one of your favorite actors or someone who played one of your favorite one of your favorite characters in one of your favorite shows, and they've just died. And you don't even need to ask yourself how they died. Ninety percent of the time, they died after a, a long struggle with cancer. It says, and yeah, it, and I think it's more common that for a lot of people, oh, yeah. it's actually a lot closer to home than their yes. favorite actor. It could, it, yes, there's so many. The statistics um, are, are astronomical. Do Do you have a specific? Uh, institution in mind for for cancer um, I, research. I was looking. Or... I was looking into this, and um, obviously, I, I'm no expert. So, if you're going to donate money to cancer, then um, do your own research as well before you do. But it looks like the Cancer Research Institute is a good one um, because there are many there are many charities which, to my knowledge, are um, looking after people with cancer. Which obviously you have to do if you've got cancer. You need you need some support, obviously, but yeah. but even pre- more preferable to be, to that would be if you didn't have cancer in the first place. And the cancer, yes, yeah, cancer research institute, from what I can yeah. see, is um, basically looking to eliminate it completely. It's um, it's research money towards just getting getting rid of it, finding out what causes it, and just destroying it. So that would be my my cancer charity pick, I think. Absolutely, so so you had mentioned uh, uh, briefly to us before we started the podcast that uh, that there was a second charity that is close to your heart, and uh, and we're more than happy to do a, a second feature charity or cause uh, for you this period. So, oh, I think this one's this one's close to everyone's hearts. I think um, it's Cats Protection League. There are so many cats that, that don't have a home. 
There's so many cats. And they need a home. And they need to be looked after. And even if they don't have a home, they're in a shelter somewhere, just meowing. They're meowing at you right now. Can, can you hear them? I can hear them. Even dog lovers secretly love cats. And okay. cats bring us all together. They do. I think they bring the internet at large together. You know, what viral thing doesn't have cats in it somewhere? Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So this week and for the next two weeks, actually, uh, the featured charities on goodgeekery.org and via the podcast, and there will be some donation links provided, uh, will be the Cancer Research Institute and the Cat Protection League, which is a, uh, a UK agency, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yes, or if you can find if you can find an alternative in your part of the world, then by all means go for that. I mean, just I to say. be just to be clear, that the charities that we do want to talk about, we we we're not judging them by you know the the amount that they give or whatever. We're just looking for things that people believe in and things that have an impact. It doesn't have yes. to be on a global scale. It could be something extremely local. Just because everything, everyone doing good as far as far as we think, everyone doing good needs the spotlight because they're the yeah. people actually doing it so even if they're small even if it's one person doing yeah. something great we don't mind so yeah the fact that it's a that it's local just to the uk is no problem absolutely so <laughs> that kind of wraps us up for this first podcast so paul thanks so much for joining in with us it was an absolute pleasure getting that behind the scenes look to this amazing short film and uh, oh. of course uh, there, there will be links provided to the film itself and each of the charities discussed here and actually a few of the other cool things that we've talked about um, you can see Paul, you have a DeviantArt page I believe showcasing um, some I, more of your art I do and if you go really far back in the gallery you can see some of my most embarrassing, terrible art from when I could barely even draw. So, <laughs> if you want some encouragement, go and look at that because it's awful. Fan- awesome. fan- fantastic. Well, thank thank you again, Paul. It was a pleasure having you. Yep. Oh, thank you for putting up with my ramblings for however no however long this was. Thanks, Paul. And uh, yeah, everybody, take care.